healthy until you get sick. And you realize, I've been taking health for granted. Or maybe kids. Think about the blessing of food. Kids, did you wonder, will I have enough food this week? Anybody wonder that? I didn't wonder that. I assumed I would have enough food. I take that for granted. Or even think about the blessing of air to breathe. Nothing is more necessary to sustain life than oxygen. Did anyone thank God for oxygen this week? Me neither. Of course we have oxygen. I take that for granted. My point is amazing blessings can cease to be amazing for us. And that's what we must fight against this morning. That's the challenge of this morning. Trevin Wax recently wrote, quote, The church faces her biggest challenge not when new errors win, but when old truths cease to wow. Biggest challenge, not a new error winning, but when an old truth stops to wow your soul. I think he's right. That's our challenge this morning. An old truth about Christmas that we need to make sure is wowing us. That we not take this truth we just sang about for granted. The greatest blessing of all blessings needs to fill me and you with awe and wonder and worship. And there's no better place to regain that wow than the opening verses of John's gospel. John being one of Jesus' closest followers, we're looking at a few verses of his prologue. And here the Holy Spirit shows us through John four things I'd like to highlight. Four things about the one whose birth we celebrate. First, he is the eternal word. To use the language of this passage, he is the eternal word. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Now, spoiler alert, <laughs> the word in this passage is Jesus. So kids, kids, you need to have an equation in your brain this morning. Word equals Jesus. Word equals the one born at Christmas. But we need to ask, what does John here mean by this term, word? Well, word in Greek is logos, a familiar term for John's Greek readers. For the Greek, Greeks, the logos was the rational principle ordering or governing the universe. Kids, any, any Star Wars fans here? Am I the only one besides Mr. Lydell? What do they want to use in Star Wars, kids? Lightsabers, but they say, like, Luke, use the force. Use the force. What is the force? It's, it's some kind of principle governing the universe in Star Wars, I guess you could say. And this logos, this word, was kind of like that for the Greeks. 
this principle governing the universe. And yet, God is saying, John is saying, no, what governs the universe is not a principle. It's a person. The Word. But for John's Jewish readers, this would have resonated even more so. In verse 1, they would have heard an echo of the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where God says, in the beginning, sound familiar? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth by by speaking, by, by word. So in the beginning, God spoke, and His word, by His word, the universe leapt into existence. Genesis 1.1 goes back to the beginning of time and space, at the creation of the world. John 1.1 goes back farther to the time before there was time, before there was space or anything created. And this word, he says, was there. Preexistent. Eternal. Kids? Do you ever ask your parent, mom, dad, where did God come from? You ever ask that? I mean, if you haven't, ask them later on. See what they say. They'll probably say, I don't know. And then you might find that answer not very satisfying. So you might then say, okay, who made God then? And they'd hopefully say, no one. And then you want to ask, when did God begin? And the answer is, he didn't. That's what we're being told about in this, of this word. In the beginning was the one with no beginning. That's who we're singing about. That's who we're celebrating. The maybe more theological term is transcendent. He is transcendent. He's above and beyond. He's above and beyond time, above and beyond space. He's just there. We're going to start studying the book of Exodus in a couple of weeks. In Exodus chapter 3, God sends Moses, says, Go back, deliver, lead my people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses says, Who shall I say is sending me? God says, I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent you. I am the self-existent one. I am the transcendent one. That's what's being said here about the one come at Christmas. Are you starting to sense a little bit of wow about this old truth? He's the eternal word, and then we find he's the divine word. Makes sense. He's secondly the divine word, the divine word. Verse verse 1 continues. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In that loaded phrase, we find two vital aspects of this Word. The Word is first distinguished from God. Right? The Word was with God. And the word is clearly identifiable with God. And the word was God. Now, again, spoiler alert, the word equals Jesus. So the person lying in the manger was eternally with God. 
eternally begotten from the Father, eternally generated from the Father, and He is divine, God the Son. And the rest of John's gospel bears this out, like John chapter 20, where the apostle Thomas encounters the risen Jesus, having died for our sins, and Thomas sees Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. What did Jesus say? Don't say that, Thomas. You're going to get yourself in big trouble. No. He said, have you believed? Because you've seen me. Blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us here who have believed. You are blessed. Having not seen him, you believe. Thomas, this devout, monotheistic Jew, got it right when he said, My God standing before me. But it's not just Thomas who claims that for Jesus. Jesus claims that for himself. In John chapter 8, Jesus is being attacked by his adversaries. And he says in response the most provocative thing he could say. Before Abraham was... I am. Now, Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 2,000 years before. But Jesus is saying, oh, that was me who sent Moses to go lead my people. I'm identified with that God. That, that's, that, that, that's me, yeah. Before Abraham was, I am. His opponents get this plainly because they pick up stones to execute him for blasphemy. So, so catch what I'm saying. Christmas reveals the essential truth of what we call the Trinity. Not until Bethlehem was this plainly revealed. It's implicit in the Old Testament, but with Christmas, with Bethlehem, the implicit becomes explicit that one God has existed always in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can kind of apprehend this. We can't fully comprehend this. One God, three persons. And if you're a really, really logical, prove-it-to-me kind of person, that's troubling. But a lot of life is like this. I can apprehend it, I can't fully comprehend it. I read an article recently entitled, Inside the Proton. Inside the Proton. The most complicated thing you can possibly imagine. Protons are those little, positively charged particles at the heart of an atom. According to the article, the simple proton is, quote, an object of unspeakable complexity. Protons, you see, have quarks, whatever those are. And they're finding, though, that these things change. The article says, researchers have discovered that the proton sometimes has a charm quark and a charm anti-quark. I don't know what those are. But they are colossal particles heavier than the proton itself. So, a physicist from MIT said, this the proton, is the most complicated thing you can imagine. He says, it's been humbling. The proton has been humbling to humans. 
how much more so the divine being? How much more so what we're think, singing about at Christmas? With God was God. It should humble us and position us to say, wow. The one born at Christmas is the eternal word, the divine word, and then we find third, he's the creating word. The creating word. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, Everything that has been created was created through this word we're talking about this morning. John wants to be so clear about that. He states it positively and negatively. Did you notice that? Positively, all things, it says, were made through him in verse 3. Negatively, and without him was not anything made that was made. And with that, every non-Christian claim about Jesus as being, let's say, an esteemed prophet or a highly exalted created being are all ruled out. Think, think about it with me. There are, oh, kids, are you aware of this? There, there are billions, with a B, billions of stars in our one galaxy. Kids, what's it called? What's our galaxy called? The Milky Way. Billions of stars. How many of those came into being through this word? All of them. Right answer. Billions of galaxies in our universe. All created through the one come at Christmas. We live on a planet teeming with life. Uh, trees, grass, elephants, giraffes, lizards, spiders, birds, whales, glow-in-the-dark little fish at the bottom of the ocean. Kids, do you have a favorite animal? Tell me. Giraffes. Anybody else? Giraffes? Giraffes? Any, any non-giraffe lovers? Otters? That's a good one. Tiger? Spiders, lions, sharks, a lot of scary animals. Your favorite animal came into being through the one we celebrate at Christmas. Get your mind around this. Every atom making up your body right now, every single atom, came into being through the one we celebrate. The creating word. So, there is this vast distinction between creator and creature. An infinitely vast divide between creator and creature. And the word is firmly on the creator side. I hope you're starting to feel some wow, because fourth, 
He's the enfleshed word. The enfleshed word. The enfleshed. Now we arrive at Bethlehem in verse 14. Skip down to verse 14. And the word, who's the word, kids? Okay, thank you. And the word became flesh. This is, this is theological shock and awe from the apostle. John, well, for the Greeks, spiritual stuff was the good stuff. Physical stuff was, for most, the bad stuff, the nasty stuff. Body stuff, yuck. Spiritual, yay. Body, bad. John doesn't use the word for man or body. He uses almost a crude term for flesh. For the Greeks, the grossest of gross stuff. It's stuff of weakness, of, of frailty. The eternal, preexistent, divine logos covered in flesh. One, one person, two natures. This is where it gets mind-boggling. Not, not the mixing of two natures, not the confusion of two natures. One person, but in that one person, a union of two natures. Not not like a comic book superhero, you might say. Kids, think about, think about Spider-Man. Anyone like Spider-Man? Thank you, Tim. Was Spider-Man a human? Yes. Okay, we've got mixed results on this one. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man... As I, as I read Spider-Man, Spider-Man was a human bitten by a radioactive spider. So a real human later on gets super spidey powers. He can spin webs, he can climb walls. Is that who Jesus is? A human who later in life got some special powers, maybe at his baptism. No, that's a heresy condemned by the early church. It's called adoptionism. Or think about Superman, landed on Earth from his planet Krypton. Is Superman, kids, is Superman just like me and you, a human like me and you? Superman? He looks like it, but he can fly. He's got x-ray vision. Superman seems to be human, looks like he's human. He ain't human. Is that who Jesus is? A super being who looks like human, but he's really not human. No, that's another heresy condemned by the early church called docetism. We're talking about one person in whom two natures are not confused, not mixed, but united with all the attributes of deity. Omniscience, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresence, everywhere equally present, but truly human. He got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He was like us, is like us in his human nature in every way except one. What's that one way he's not like us, kids? No sin. 
That's right. Experience the wow of this old truth. Charles Spurgeon, 19th century prince of preachers. Just listen. Quote, infinite and an infant. T take that home with you and try to hold that together. Infinite and an infant. Eternal, born of a woman, supporting the universe, and needing to be carried in his mother's arms. Wow. Or a contemporary theologian, Sam Storms, quote, at conception, God became a fertilized egg an embryo, a fetus. God kicked Mary from within her womb. At birth, God entered the world as a baby amid the stench of manure and cobwebs and prickly hay in a stable. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diapers. In infancy, God learned to crawl and stand and walk. He spilt his milk. He fell and hit his head. As a youth, God went through puberty. His voice changed. He had to shave. I suppose he got acne. Now, if that sounds crass and irreverent to you, then you're starting to feel how you should feel when you read the Word became flesh. And the verse continues, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and dwelt among us, literally pitched his tent, tabernacled among us, an allusion to the Old Testament tabernacle, where God made his immediate presence known to his people, so God the Son is making his immediate presence known in the flesh. At the inauguration of that Old Testament tabernacle, God filled it with his glory. And so we read on, he tabernacled among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this word is transcendent. It's above and beyond. But Christmas means that God is also, to use another term imminent. He's near. He's come near to you and me. He's involved in your life. He's not distant from you. He's not forgotten about you. I wonder if you believe this, friends. You know, it's not accurate for us to say, I don't have any spiritual beliefs. We all have beliefs. You might say, I believe God is distant or God doesn't exist. Those are beliefs. But Christmas brings you an awe-filling, wonder-producing truth to believe. The one who is transcendent, the one who is above and beyond, has come near to bring you to himself. That's kind of the takeaway as I would sum it up.
the one who is above and beyond, has come near to bring you to himself. Christmas led to a cross where the God-man died for all who believe. Come to him if you've yet to do so. Kids, adults, come to him believing, trusting the one who came near to bring you to himself. And if you have believed that, if you have believed that, regain your wow this Christmas. Regain your wow about this old truth. Pray for fresh wow in your soul and mine. The one who is above and beyond, transcendent, eternal, Divine, creating word, is profoundly imminent. He came near to bring you and you and you and you to himself. Do you know there's roughly 8.3 billion people on the planet right now? Roughly. 8.3 billion. Yet he knows all about you. The very hairs of your head are numbered. He loves you with an everlasting love in Christ for all who believe. He wants you to know him, enjoy him, and be filled with wonder this Christmas. The one who is above and beyond, friends, has come near to bring you and me to himself. Let's pray together.